Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Insightfully Speaking, a podcast from Cardec Group. My name is Adam Osborne, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Annie Sinclair and Umberto Schubert, as well as our special guest, as we look at the world from a spiritist perspective. Our guest on this episode is Tanis Stevanin from Brazil. Now, today, we'll be looking at the invasion of Ukraine, disagreements at the Oscars, 75 years of lectures by Givaldo Franco. And those of you who have watched or listened to any of the previous episodes might notice a few small differences. Well, no, first of all, we are recording this live, so please forgive us if we make any mistakes. However, this does mean that we can have a bit of audience interaction during the episode. So no matter if you're with us live or listening to us at a later date, we'd love to hear from you. You can send your questions and comments about the show via the live chat or comment section in YouTube. You can also send us a private message on Facebook Messenger at Kardec Group, or you can email insightfully at kardec.org.uk. And don't forget to follow and like our social media accounts, as well as subscribing to our YouTube channel. And all, you can find all the details about Kardec Group on our website, www.kardec.org.uk. So feel free to drop us a line at any time. And you know, we know that we have had people listening to the audio podcast from many countries around the world, including Poland, Taiwan, the Philippines, Sweden, Puerto Rico, Bulgaria, Denmark, and many more. So hello to all of you who've been listening with us, and thank you as well. And talking of hellos and thank yous, let's say hello to my co-hosts. Let's bring them on. So, Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert, hello. How are you both? It's been a while since we recorded an episode of Insightfully Speaking. So what have you been up to? Yeah, it has been a while, and I'm really excited that we're going live today because I think it will just give it a different uh, dynamics. Uh, yes. Um, Last time we were speaking a lot about COVID, COVID seems to have gone on a bit onto the back burner at the moment here in the UK, at least, because other things have gone uh, onto the front of our minds, if you like. But here we are once again, spring is coming, life starts again. And uh, although we had snow yesterday, we are looking forward to springtime in the UK. I know we had April snow. Who'd have, who'd mm. have thought of that? But it, it's part of nature as well. Umberto, how about you? Well, uh, I'm, I'm quite fine. Thank you. Um, it is a great pleasure to be with friends after a while. We, we had to make this small pause due to our very busy agendas. <laughs> but now uh, I hope we can uh, keep with the, the, the show uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. And Umberto, we've had a couple of pieces of news about you from the past couple of months, including a book and a certain position somewhere. Yeah, uh, this was a very, very busy uh, beginning of, of a year. Uh, I was appointed to a chair in, in the Brazilian Academy of Philosophy, uh, which is uh, the main national uh, group uh, in Brazil for philosophers. And uh, that happened uh, almost simultaneously with uh, the, the publication of two of my books, one about uh, 
general introduction to philosophy for, for undergrad students and the other more comprehensive history of, of liberty, uh, specifically a history of religious liberty as a subtopic of the history of liberty. Yeah. And no, we, we were able to attend your uh, your launch of the book and the mini course that you did about it. And I have to say, it sounds absolutely fantastic. We can't wait to get our hands on a copy of the book. But, you know, we're so happy to hear about these things happening. And, you know, from our side, you know, obviously here at Cardec Group in November, we had Spiritus MX 2021, the third installment of our TEDx style event and of course both of you guys were were with us again that this this time round and i think it's sort of taking shape and hopefully we'll have a a good event a good installment this year as well but well and just to say that if anyone wants anyone outside of brazil wants a copy of umberto's book just let us know here at cardet group and we're sure that we can find a way to get you a copy and you no, know, it's always great to have you guys with me during these episodes. So I think it's probably about time to bring on our guests already. So we're going to have with us Tanis Stevanen, who is a, a psychologist and microbiologist from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and who was with us previously in episode four of the show. Tanya, hello, how are you? How have you been? Hello. Uh, it's nice to be in a place that it's hot for a change because for the past 34 years I was living in the UK and it was very cold most of the times. And it's lovely to be back with you guys. I think it is always good to to share our ideas and our principles with others. So thank you for inviting me again. No, thank you. Thank you for being with us. So we are here now on Sunday, the 3rd of April, and this is the first show of, uh, for our first episode of 2022. And most people who follow the podcast will know that we normally ask you to let us know your questions for what does spiritism say about? And this time it's a very clear question of what does spiritism say about war? Now, obviously, we're not going to delve into the too many aspects of war or the political side of what's happening right now and you know spiritism is a pacific and a specific philosophy and always promotes peace and harmony but we must talk about what's been happening in the ukraine as of today it has been over five weeks since the current event started which has been a general extension of a longer conflict that started eight years ago in 2014 and without a doubt, we are sure that everyone is aware of the atrocities going on, which has taken the lives of thousands of people already. And of course, millions of Ukrainians have fled the country in order to seek refuge around the world. Fortunately, there are many good things happening in many countries, especially around the Ukrainian borders, with solidarity being shown in so many ways. Within hours of these events starting, Rescue missions were already in place, and volunteer groups were at the borders offering food, medical support, transport, and translation services. Now, one big initiative that has taken place is the Ukraine transport idea, whereby people are offering to open their homes to take in Ukrainian refugees, which itself is a nod to the kinder transport from the Second World War, which at the time helped over 10, well, around 10,000 children during the Second World War to flee from Germany, Poland, and other countries. 
And the idea for Ukraine Transport was actually from the rabbi of Maidenhead Synagogue here in the UK, whose own mother was saved by the Kinder Transport during the Second World War. And no, Maidenhead, which is where Kardec Group runs the Spiritist Society of Windsor and Maidenhead, is also quite important because it's where a large hotel has been rented out exclusively for sheltering refugees who are arriving from Ukraine until they're able to be matched with a family who are willing to support them. So, everyone, what are your thoughts about what's been going on in the Ukraine and all these good things that have been happening because of it? May I start? Please do. Well, um, situation is very, um, very complex, obviously, and uh, it, it is both challenging and risky to try to to deliver a message of hope uh, and, and a more positive message, which is our duty as uh, promoters of uh, spiritualist philosophy, uh, and not sound, not to sound um, irresponsible or uh, disrespectful in, in some sense. So we gave it a, a lot of reflection and uh, obviously we have to consider that the geopolitical uh, circumstance is, is quite peculiar. Uh, our configuration today is it's very interesting because we we are two Brazilians and two British, so we have uh, different uh, Western perspectives uh, compared to to Europeans and North Americans. We Latin Americans we are very exotic Western <laughs> people uh, with, with not quite the, the same mentality and the same understanding of the world, especially not the same understanding of uh, geopolitical uh, matters. And uh, considering this, we, we, we may disagree or we may have different uh, perspectives about uh, who is right or wrong and uh, who is in, in uh, his own duty and in, in his own rights. Uh, in action or in defense or um, in, in political stances. Uh, but uh, we, we would prefer to avoid this approach and focus on a more, not only moral, uh, but a more spiritualistic approach, a more, uh, also not religious, but uh, a more humane uh, or humanistic and spiritualistic approach. And regarding humanity as one single family, all wars, not only this one or, or that one, uh, are uh, strictly wrong. And uh, there is no, no, not enough justification for a war, considering that even if one party or one side of the conflict is justified, uh, the whole thing is uh, necessarily unjustified. It is impossible to 
to defend war as a practice, as, as something that uh, could be beneficial or uh, even uh, excusable in any way. But great thinkers such as Hegel, for example, one of the greatest thinkers, say that uh, whatever exists has a reason to exist. Uh, he's not uh, being, uh, he, he's not uh, supporting or trying to, to justify the, the bad things that do exist in this world, but he's uh, calling us to reflect on the motives, the reasons, the causes, the very nature of what is going on in order to, to understand why is it allowed by a supremely wise and good uh, creator. Um, and this is, I think, exactly the spiritist perspective about wars in general, not on, only this or that war, but wars in, in general. We, we need to understand in order to avoid a naive and uh, insensitive optimism or a, a message of an uh, attempt of a, a good message that is uh, somehow compromised by naivety or, uh, or it's insensitive. We have to consider that uh, bad things exist, but uh, they come from a source that cannot be easily erased or avoided in, in this life or in, in this world where we live. Because most of times, uh, this source is our own our own uh, choice and, and, and conscience, which is uh, often misguided. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the main things that people are talking about, the conscience of what's behind certain decisions. Annie, Tanya, your thoughts about what's been going on? Yes, I wanted to say um, a couple of things. Uh, when the event started unfolding, uh, I felt um, shocked, upset, sad, almost depressed. I was thinking, oh my gosh, why are we doing this? Uh, can't, can't, you know, haven't we learned to get on with one another? You know, what's the point of killing each other? I, I mean, I just, I just had this reaction and it made me feel quite sad. And... Uh, it made me reflect on why why am I here on this planet where people decide that they're going to sort out their differences by killing one another by and when you look at the history let's say the history of Europe is the history of war it's like one war after the other after the other that's 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 our history and in fact we've had like I don't know what's it 70 years or something of peace in Western Europe which is probably the longest time ever of peace and we kind of fell into an illusion that oh this is us now we don't fight anymore and i say we because the the distance from the uk 
to Ukraine to Russia is a very short distance, and um, if if this uh, un unsettling events are happening uh, there, it's happening very close to home, and it's making us think that things could spill over. Um, you know, other countries could be affected, and this is affecting us more directly. And this brings me um, to I was reflecting on the topic of fraternity, and. Uh, in the spirits book, according to Alan Kardec, one of the things the spirits say that um, that God wanted us to learn to love by loving each other as brothers, brothers and sisters. And uh, so when the war is closer to home, we feel it more like it's, uh, you know, uh, we can identify, we can the, the mirror ourselves closer because they are uh, our closer neighbors than if the war is happening on the other side of the world. And we're thinking that that's something that's happening to somebody else very far away. So in a way, it's just making us wake up and say, yes, so we live in a planet where people, um, human beings, our brothers and sisters, still feel uh, the need uh, to resolve issues through aggression, through violence, through the, the strength, uh, the power of the strongest, because that's what it is, the one who has the most arms, the most um, energy to, to fight the war, who has the most friends and things like that. But that is thinking about what kind of planet do I live on? So the spirits is, again, in, in, the, in the gospel according to spiritism, they said this is a, a, a planet of tests and atonements. It's a planet that's very low on the evolution of planets, like first level up from a primitive planet. And I think that um, if I am here, it's because this is my level too. So I, so I shouldn't be like thinking that, oh, I'm an angel, fell onto the wrong planet. No, I am part of, of humanity. We are all in this together. And I think a lot of people say it's like the wake up call of thinking, we were thinking we were doing really well, <laughs> but you know, were we really? Was it a fundamental change in us that we managed to do, or were we just on the level of the appearances? As long as things were not provoking us directly, uh, then we were okay. So, in a way, it's, it's made me think. Uh, I bring it back to myself because I, I I can't comment on geopolitics and things like that. But thinking, you know, what is making uh, human beings fight each other like that? And yeah, this could be us tomorrow. Uh, that there is. The you know uh, no safety as long as we as a human family don't manage to transform ourselves into being a more tolerant, accepting, loving, and eventually um, um, fraternal uh, group of human beings. But our fraternity starts at home, so we start to love those who are closest to us. And sometimes we have major difficulties in loving those who are living in the same home as us, a mom or dad, brother, sister, cousins. Sometimes we love them to bits, but other times we find them difficult to get on. And that is where we start exercising our first resolutions of conflict that would then expand to the world. So my idea is just thinking, uh, what is my role in being a peacemaker in the world? Is my way of being peaceful? Am I provoking wars with my neighbors, with my work colleagues, in the traffic, wherever I'm going? And just bringing that, that reflection back to where am I? Because I am on this planet. That means that I am in some way on this level of evolution. 
as much as I'd like to think that I was way ahead. It's a reality, you know, wake up call for me. Yeah, I, th I think regarding that level of evolution, this is something that we see a lot in our study groups, that when we look at question 100 of the spirits book, which is the spirit hierarchy, and we see the orders and the classes and see, oh, yeah, we're still quite low down on that list. We think that we're really high up near the pure level. No, we know that nowhere near there just yet. But, you know, we still have a lot to learn and a lot to go through. Yeah, Tanya, how about yourself? What do you think about what's been going on? I, first of all, I think we need to reflect that Spiritism teaches us very clearly that any kind of war, be that the at the individual level, like Anna was mentioning, as the worldwide level, it's, it is the result of human failure. It is the result of our failure to communicate, to compromise, to forgive, to be kind to one another. And if we imagine, picking up from what Anna was saying, if we imagine ourselves as springs of energy, generating energy around us, and then there is the main river that flows across the world. Someone that starts a war can only navigate that river if it is large enough liver of hatred, of power grabbing, if it's a large enough river for them to navigate. And each one of us can contribute something to that river. So if we imagine ourselves as being tributaries, generating those little strings of energy that flows downstream onto this big river, then we can start know, uh, appreciating how important our individual contributions become because we can cut the supply for that river of hatred and open a supply for a different river, a river, a river of love, of kindness, of compromise. And that is done, as Anna suggested and mentioned, by each one of us paying attention to our thoughts. And every time we notice thoughts of anger, of resentment, that is, differs, anything that differs from fraternity, kindness, forgiveness. Let's remember, when was the last time that I felt the opposite? And reconnect with those feelings and thoughts again. Because then we start feeding that stream of energy into a river of positivity, of light. And that starves the river of hatred that those people who create wars navigate through to get to their end result. The other thing I want to point out is I want to draw a parallel to, to the pandemic because from a, a broader, long-term spiritual perspective, we know that when we miss an opportunity, God presents us with another. And again, stressing that a war is the result of our failure to produce uh, progress through goodness but even when we fail this badly, as we are seeing now in, in Ukraine and Russia, we are given also an opportunity and taking, because we want to, the purpose of today is to show what good can come out of something so horrible like this. 
one of the things that I've reflected on recently was our failure to unite during the pandemic. During the pandemic, there was a, a wonderful opportunity for the world to work together to produce the vaccine, to uh, spread out treatment throughout the world so that we could, because we know, and it's been said before, until everybody's safe, nobody's safe. But we failed because every country went out for their own and wanted to grab resources and vaccinate their own population and not really thinking about their next door neighbor at all, fighting over resources rather than sharing resources, which would have been a lot more effective. So the pandemic could have lasted a year rather than the two and a half years that we've had so far. But we failed. However, this time around, through pain, through this horror that's happening with this war, somehow a great sector, a very large sector of the world is unifying, not for the right reasons, perhaps, but is a lot of people who were not talking before, countries who were not collaborating before, now found the need to do so, found the motivation to do so. And in something that we all know is going to cause everybody pain, nobody is going to be immune to what's happening between those two countries. The whole world is already facing the consequences of the economic downturn, rising in prices, rising in the prices of petrol, etc. However, because we have evolved a little bit, not too much, but we have evolved a little bit, the horror that most people feel watching what is happening in, in Ukraine united us to say, I will give up some of my personal comfort to stop this, what I consider to be a wrong thing, continuing, to stop these people suffering the way they are suffering, losing their, their individuality, losing their freedom of movement. And I think, again, looking from a very long-term spiritual perspective, because in the short term, there is going to be pain everywhere. Uh, some more, some less. But in the long term, I see that as another opportunity that humankind is being given to unite for the good of others and for the good of ourselves. So let us again remember our own individual responsibility because we might not be able to, I might not be able to open my house to refugees. However, I can open my mental home, my spiritual home, my heart to become a tributary of light, a spring of light to increase the positive energies into the world to help and starve the negative feed that's been feeding this river of negativity that leads to wars. And also, I want to throw a question out, out there, not perhaps for today, but from Spiritism encourages us in a situation like this to ask ourselves who are the real victims 
of the situation because it might not be as obvious as we think from a human perspective. And that, that's another point that I have reflected on a lot because my, as, as most people I suppose, my natural instinct is to be really angry with a group of people, really sorry for another group of people. And then I put my spiritist hat on and I started going deeper into that, uh, those principles. And I started thinking, but this life is such a short life and we don't take anything, not even our physical bodies with us, who are going to be the real victims in the long term? Who should I be praying more for? Who should I be feeling more sorry for? Still helping those who, can, who I can help immediately at my doorstep, but not forgetting that there is a greater reality that our physical eyes don't always are able to see, but as a spiritist, I feel duty bound to also consider. So it's a it's a complex issue. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is quite a complex issue, and you know we have so many things that we need to consider regarding everything that's going on. Um, you know, you mentioned about during the pandemic, we saw these bursts of solidarity and fraternity at the very start. But then it sort of petered away quite quickly after a couple of months. And right now, it's great that we've seen so many things going on with uh, people taking lorries and cars full of supplies from all around the UK, for example, to Poland, to be close to the border. Uh, a big a group of Sikh temples got together and opened up food, food huts right by the, the borders as well to help give food and blankets to people who are crossing the borders. All these things that have been going on. But you're right, there, there are so many people who will be affected one way or another. And so I did have another question for you, Tanya, which is, obviously, people are going to be going through some kind of trauma what support is there for people who have faced or are facing trauma, especially in these kinds of situations? I want to talk more directly to those who are going, who are opening their doors to receive refugees, but also are in more direct contact with refugees because these are the people who are going to be experiencing the, the horrors of trauma the difficulties of dealing with the situation firsthand, doctors, nurses, aid workers, as well as the amazing people who are welcoming refugees into their own homes. Trauma is, is something that will affect some people for a very long time. We can go, if you can put 10 people in a room and each one of them offer each one of them the same traumatic experience and each person is going to respond differently to that so that's the first thing to remember not everybody is going to be emotionally affected by what they're going through as others because a lot of people discover that they have more resilience which is the opposite of the traumatic the trauma than they thought they had. It's only when we are faced with the experience, the challenge, that we realize how strong we really are. And the majority of people will discover resources of resilience within them that they didn't know they had. And that can be a tricky thing as well because there is a kind of an expectation that everybody who are have become a refugee or have watched their cities being destroyed will be miserable and traumatized and depressed for life. 
that's not going to be the case for the majority of people. They will focus on on the goodness, on rebuilding, on so they, they find that they are stronger than they think they are. But there will be a large number of people who will become traumatized. That is, they're going to carry with them that terrible experience into their future. And trauma is when someone who apparently is fine, they have a roof over their heads, they have the support, but they still relive that experience. Somehow they can't get past that experience. For those, if there is anyone in that situation listening to us, I would say, first of all, don't don't blame yourself for feeling bad about what happened, for hating what happened, if possible, without hating those who were responsible for it, because that liberates us from the hatred, and hatred can be more traumatic than the experience itself, because it's us cutting that wound open time and time again. When we are able to forgive, we are able to cut that link with those who caused that suffering and move on with our lives physically and emotionally, but emotionally especially, and spiritual as well. Look for help. Uh, many people will be now in countries where there is a system to help. Self-help, uh, mutual support groups are a great way to share those experiences and process. Imagine this as emotional toxin. If you eat something that is poisoned, your body needs time to process those toxins and eliminate it. Our minds, when we ingest something that is traumatic, also need time to process that information. For the ones who get stuck with that experience, there are many things, even online nowadays, there are many um, solution-focused approaches, even solution-focused hypnotherapy. There are many techniques. I wouldn't... Uh, encourage people to just go and try to hypnotize someone. But there are many techniques, mindfulness techniques, meditation techniques, and even practical techniques like breathing. Simple breathing exercise can be so effective at stopping people from having a panic attack. And also grounding, grounding techniques that people can use to uh, ground themselves when they, the emotion pops up in their minds again. It is to identify uh, a beautiful feeling or a beautiful memory that they can hang on to during those minutes, seconds, minutes, because the the flashbacks they don't last hours. They they are minutes rather than hours, but it feels like an eternity when you're going through that. So finding those simple things that you can do to ground yourself can be extremely helpful when we are going through a traumatic experience and even afterwards when trauma becomes post-traumatic stress, for example. And those who are who have not gone through the experience but are supporting those who have, just remember this, there are many people who, for them, all they want is to be safe, to move on with their lives, and that is fine. We don't have to, you know, how come you're so well you know you should not be well no let them be well but those who are not well remember that each one each person will experience the same trauma in a different way and we need to give them the freedom to to feel to know that it is okay not to be well it is okay not to to be happy 
while they are going through that, where they're facing those memories. And, and just be patient. We can't, sometimes we just can't fix people. We can't fix it. So we just have to take a deep breath and, and give them the freedom to experience it the way that works for them. But whenever there is professional support to seek that and engage with that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And everyone needs time, their, their own time to be able to, you know, get through any kind of difficult situation like that. Um, Umberto, or any, anything else that you wanted to add about this topic? Yes, uh, I, I would like to, to react to, to what Hannah said, which is uh, very, very interesting. But it reminds me of the old uh, controversy between treatment and prevention. So uh, once tragedies happen, it is inevitable that uh, we will have trauma and we will be traumatized and we will be hurt some way. So um, the only way to eliminate this is actually preventing uh, great tragedies from, from happening. So uh, it, it's related to uh, the meaning of war or, or the reason why we still have war in, in, in this world. Well, um, it is not enough to, to blame the aggressor and to say, well, we will give you sanctions and we will give you some sort of punishment. Because uh, uh, even if uh, it doesn't happen politically, and it only happens politically because we have reasons for that. Uh, Russia felt threatened by the constant uh, spreading of uh, NATO uh, in, in East Europe and so and so. And Ukraine also uh, felt threatened by, by Russia all the time for a long time. But uh, if we remove the geopolitical, strategical, economical uh, aspects of, of conflict, we will see that people suffer everywhere from violence. We have 50,000 murders in, in Brazil yearly, yearly. It is more than most wars uh, that are uh, now in, in, in course. So uh, similar numbers uh, uh, are, are presented by Mexican or Colombian society or in the biggest African countries or in India or in many other places. So uh, the violence is in us. Uh, it, it has a special place in our heart. So we are disturbed, we are suffering. We don't know how to solve our problems and uh, the natural consequence of, of all of that is violence. So if we have the power and the condition to promote a war, good. If we don't, we will try to express our uh, imbalance uh, through other means. But uh, we, we should not uh, reduce the subject to a, a, a debate or a dispute between countries. So uh, I think this, this is the, 
the base uh, understanding of, of what spiritism says about war and what we 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 all said it is not something that uh, happens between countries it is something that happens uh, between people and it happens because we we have a, a deeper problem with the way we understand our place in the world in the cosmos and the ways we understand uh, the how to solve these problems yeah no I, I, that's definitely good food for thought annie you want to say something as well yeah i um i think that uh, let's say this has been my reflection and uh, the media would very much like you to take position uh, in favor or against and so on and it's quite hard like to uh, not get caught up in that but to look at all people as our brothers and sisters and that uh, we will have to find a way through this we will have to find a way to get on but i just wanted it came to my mind uh, the, the the day after the hostilities sort of uh, started i work in a in a public health uh, hospital here in london where 95 percent of the staff are all foreign uh, of, of a variety it, it is literally people from all different countries all working and uh, the chief executive made a recording for all staff and it was really interesting because we were like oh my gosh can't believe this is happening and he said okay i just want to say something we have here uh, members of both communities both as staff and as patients we will have zero tolerance for any aggression intended or not intended between staff and patients if you feel that you cannot work with a colleague because of them being from the other side talk to your manager we can relocate you to a different team if this is you need to recognize that this is too challenging for you uh, in the same way if if anybody sees anybody saying or doing anything against any of their colleagues of whichever side ukraine or russia or any patient receiving any side comment or anything because of their nationality we will take immediate action so the hospital is a place of healing and we will not tolerate any type of microaggressions between anybody so please everybody be on alert if you feel that you've been triggered by this, if you feel that it's too much for you because your family's here or there or something, come and talk to the management. We'll, we'll rearrange things to make it easier for you, but we will not tolerate it. And I just thought that that was so interesting because I hadn't even thought about that, but the management of the hospital immediately were thinking that people could bring that war into the wards, into their workplace. If they have a colleague from the other side or if they have a patient, particularly if it's a difficult patient or something and then you go oh yeah and you start you know that kind of rejection because of the the labeling of the other they are not us they're the others and then we, we break down that that our ability to see all humanity as our brothers and sisters and uh, i think it's it's really uh, important uh, and i think it's really beautiful that that you know thinking that people in positions uh, not spiritists or anything like that uh, they have this inspiration also from the good spirits of 
you know, to try to make things better and to remind us of our duty to one another uh, and of being impartial and treating everybody with the same respect, with the same professionalism, regardless of, of where they're coming or what they might have done or not have done and so on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, unfortunately, we've seen similar things happen during, uh, for example, the um, after the events of 9-11, we saw lots of uh, animosity between various groups. Uh, obviously, the Second World War itself, we saw many things. And yeah, right now we see many companies concerned because of how how relations are between people from different nations within the same company and within that company and partner groups as well. Um, you know, within the translation industry, we see many similar things happening right now. People saying, look, guys, just get on with it. You know, we don't fight each other. There's no point. And it's great to see all the, the positive things that are happening with uh, people showing solidarity of, you know, look, no one wants this war. No one wants this to happen. No one wants this to become worse than it really is. So just to carry on a little bit more, and we know that the Spirits book and the Gospel According to Spiritism have items relating to dueling and war. In fact, the initial target audience of these books would have known the impact of war. No, the French Revolution took place at the end of the 1700s. In 1848, there was also the February Revolution in France. And obviously, the original Crimea War was in 1853 to 1856. Which, so that was taking place at the time that Kardec was compiling the first edition of the Spirits book, which came out in 1857. And for many people who may not know, Crimea is the peninsula off mainland Ukraine, which is actually in part of the, part of the current conflict at the moment. So it's actually quite relevant to how we can see things now and what was happening at the time of Kardec as well. But right now we know that many people still need urgent help and support. And there are many charities helping firsthand, such as the Red Cross, Madison Sans Frontier, and UNICEF. So we want to ask everyone listening or watching, no matter if you're watching live while we record this or at any later date, please help those in need. Please be solid solid solidarity so please be friendly with them please 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 have solidarity with them please open yourselves a kind word anything and look if you are able to donate to a charity if you're if you're able to work hands-on at a soup kitchen if you can open a room in your home to shelter a refugee refugee please do no we can all do something even if all we can do is send positive thoughts to others we can do something and yes, it's affecting me emotionally, all of this. But so please, I just want to ask everyone to go online when you can. Obviously, if you're watching live after the live itself, but go online, search, do something positive to help others, because we know that in the future, we might need the help of other people, just as these people need our support right now. I, I, I just want to add on to something that you, you said, um, uh, Adam, which is, anybody can do which is prayer so i just wanted to say that when we send the prayer it it goes and it goes like say like using tanya's uh, metaphor it goes joining other prayers and it goes making itself into a big river 
And when I say you send prayers and healing, not just for one side of the of the dispute, but, but for both sides, and particularly for those who are feeling particularly aggressive, that they may be involved in peace and love, because we can't uh, resolve the things by getting rid of, like, oh, we don't like him, he's bad, or he's bad, get rid of them. We have to embrace and transform, and the power of prayer is significant. And it also, at the same time, that that is something that we can give uh, of ourselves and we can set up, let's say, every day we do it at a certain time if we want to. But it's just thinking about all humanity, that they're all our brothers and sisters. And that we might find some, just like in our family, more difficult to relate to. But we we will only be progressing as a world, as a planet, when we can all be able to accept one another and, and, and to find a way forward that is less aggressive and violent, as you're saying, to find a new way of, of dealing with things. So we can pray, but I would say, please, let's pray for everybody because there is, there is no black and white, good and bad. Yes, it might be in this particular that somebody started the aggressions or something like that, but we are all in it together. We are all on this planet together. and. We, we need to try to find a way uh, forward in which um, we we can overcome this old way of resolving issues and uh, find a place for everybody on the planet that everybody can feel welcomed and included. Um, so I say let's involve uh, in our prayers of love everybody uh, with no exclusions. Like say, oh yeah, I want prayers for you because you're the poor people that you know got bombed. No, everybody, because uh, that is how the change will actually come. And when we think about the darkness and we light a match, it makes a lot of light. If we light a bonfire, it, it illuminates even further. So each one of us is like a little match. But if enough people are putting on their little match, we can transform the darkness and the light can come through. And people can stop and say, whoa, yeah, hang on, why am I even doing this, you know, and have that wake-up call, because nobody will be left behind. You know how Jesus says, none of my sheep will be lost, and I think, what, what does that actually mean? That means all of us, humanity, we will all progress, we will all move forward, nobody's condemned forever to the gallows of the of hatred and, and uh, hell, as you would have in the old uh, classical uh, descriptions. Everybody will one day move forward. We will all, because the law of progress is unavoidable. We are all destined to progress. And if we can help one another to move forward as a team, the human team on this planet, we will be doing better. Um, I am like Tanya said herself, you know, we have to find ways of working together uh, because that is our only solution. We depend on one another to keep our planet going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, talking about moving forward with a couple of things, they say that violence in films is a reflection of real life issues. And there was a crossover of this at the Oscars this year, after the comedian Chris Rock made a comment about the hair loss of actor Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of actor Will Smith, who didn't take the comment very well. Now, we know that obviously this has been covered a lot in the news, and obviously they have tried to move on. But 
What do we think of that event and how it reflects the current state of society with regards to respect and how we can handle emotions? I think I'll start because I have very little to say about it, in fact. <laughs> so you know, I'll get it out and then people can take it forward. Um, first of all, I think nobody would nowadays out aloud in public say that they condone violence. But I actually never condone violence. I've always felt that there, there are much, much better ways. Like when someone is shouting, it's very difficult to hear them. So it's much better to talk and to communicate one's feelings in a more in a calmer, more civilized way. But one thing that I've been reflecting on, and that, that's, again, something that I've reflected on other public issues that came to light over the years, is how hard it is for us to actually forgive one another. Because now, of course, Will Smith's career is... is destroyed you know these are the terms that are being published out there people are saying that that's it for him and and that brings me to another philosophical question which there is someone here who can take that on much better than i can and put better words to it is the fact that to try to be good and to do the right thing these days are we stopping i was taking away our rights and other people's rights to make mistakes. Again, I'm not condoning violence. I'm just putting a question out there because sometimes it feels to me that to try and be a righteous person, I run the risk of being, of stepping over someone else's right to make a mistake and to be forgiven because I know for a fact that I cannot get it right all the time, that sometimes I lose it and I say and do things that I regret afterwards. But I'm not a public figure. So long as I behave in a certain way in private, I kind of get away with it. So why should public figures uh, not get away with it, but why should they lose the right to be forgiven? Again, I'm stressing it. I'm not condoning violence or Will Smith's actions but then i think there is a bigger argument out there that needs to be considered as well but i i think it, it is valid for both sides where we, we may also um try not to be judgmental against the comedian who who started the the whole situation um I think it's somehow uh, similar to to the case of war in a very very smaller much more smaller scale because what is at, at stake here is um, to judge people uh, by what they they did and uh, to to some extent this is very dangerous or or very tricky to do. Um, of course, they are both wrong. I think everyone can can see that. It, it, it's not that uh, nebulous or difficult to, to see. But at the same time, um, 
we all lose temper and, and control of ourselves in some situations. And we, we all say inappropriate things in, in some situations, especially when we are stimulated to that. So uh, it may be the case where everyone is wrong, but uh, we should be very, very careful not to blame or to punish or to attack anyone uh, quickly or too quickly. Yeah. Because uh, we could easily be uh, on both sides. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And one comment that we've had come in through the live chat, uh, it was more in relation to what Annie was saying before with regards to solidarity and things, but I think it applies to this as well, that in most cases, the aggressor needs more prayers than anyone else. And in this instance, I think, yeah, both both sides need a bit of support. Yeah, I, I, um, I go like, uh, it reminds me of, of the passage in the gospel where Jesus says, you know, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. Uh, and uh, what I thought was like, you know, they were, they, they were showing like a contradiction. Um, Will Smith at one point say, oh, I want to be a vessel of love. I want to be, you know, a good guy in the world. And then he had that reaction, which contradicted. And this is this is us human beings, because we want to be that presence of love. But if we don't know ourselves, we might not know what our triggers are. We might not know what is that limit for us. If we know, if we do our work of self-knowledge, we might say this, you know, be aware that something coming up, this is going to be really difficult for me or or maybe not. And once we've done it, we've overstepped the mark and we just reacted because that was something that triggers us. That's something that for us is beyond acceptable and we don't think it, we just react. So we say the spirits are saying we want to go from just reacting to acting with consciousness. But this is a journey that we are on. So it... Uh, is we're not there yet and we say yeah it's easy to judge to point a finger but in a way he's doing us all a favor because we could be in any one of those situations if we laughed about a joke that was inappropriate in the past for sure we all must have at some point in our evolution laughed about a joke that was inappropriate we move on and we learn that we think well that's actually not funny to to laugh about that and then once once you wake up to it you, it's not funny anymore but if you can remember maybe earlier on when you were younger or because your peer group thought things like that were funny and you know how kids go one laughs and everybody laughs because you want to be part of the group and it, you're living in that kind of uh, scenario where you're just doing what other people are doing but what the spirits are telling us we are here on a journey of progression of evolution and we are invited to get to know ourselves so then we can we can not to judge ourselves, but to know that that, for example, is too much for me. So I will not, you know, expose myself to this or that. To try to uh, act more than react, but we will not achieve this in one minute because progress is step by step. The good thing is, as I always say, is that today we are at the highest peak of our progression than we've ever been, because we only go forwards. We don't go backwards. So as much as we might not be totally satisfied with where we find ourselves, we are today much better than we were before. And we can only go forwards. And it's like swimming with the current. 
if you swim with the current, you move faster. So the current is God's law. It's taking us. If we want to swim against the current, it will, we will still be taken by the current, but we'll be more exhausted and we will uh, progress slower. So if we focus ourselves and get in, in, in aligned with the current that is God's law, we will be able to move along more swiftly and more effortlessly and uh, be able to, to move uh, faster if you like. But God is not in a hurry. Progress will take the time it takes. The rose takes the time it takes to open up. You know, the flowers are coming up in spring now. They take the time they need. In the same way, we also take the time we need to progress. But I think all these things, as they happen, they are invitations. That's how I see them. Invitations to reflect and think, there for the grace of God go I. Yeah, no, thank you. So great things to think about. And yeah, ab absolutely, you know, all this is because an inappropriate comment, which was supposed to be a joke, was made. And, you know, we do learn. We do learn. But unfortunately, we know that that event itself overshadowed the fact that the film Coda, Child of Deaf Adults, which is about inclusion and respect, won Best Film at the Oscars, and the Best Supporting Actor Award went to Troy Kotzer, the first deaf actor to win an Oscar, who plays the role of the protagonist's deaf father in that same film. Now, guys, do you think that there's any irony in the fact that the Will Smith-Chris Rock incident happened during an Oscars ceremony where a film about differences and inclusion won Best Film itself? <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I saw that... I don't find it. Sorry. No, I just got to say, no, I, was, I heard on the radio today, they said, because these events uh, uh, of the slap overtook the Oscars, nobody kind of paid attention to who won what so they they said they're going to do another program mm -hmm. and they're going to repeat the oscars on the radio so that and re-announce them without all that tobacco because they feel that the it was unfair to the winners yeah. because they lost the limelight <laughs> i find that the irony is more to do with a repetition of the Oh, aren't we so good moment when a film about diversity or inclusion wins the Oscar and then they, that is taken as um, now we have permission to continue with the same status quo for a few more years until people start complaining about it again. Because to be honest, my my idea of inclusion is when we don't even have to talk about inclusion anymore because we don't see each other as what color they, their skin may be at that particular time, or which country they come from, which accent they speak with. And that to me is the ultimate goal to inclusion when we don't have to talk about these things anymore. But of course, we also know that from a psychological, spiritual perspective, sometimes we need to be forced into certain situations and certain discussions to get out of our comfort zone, face our prejudices, to be able to even become aware that we have prejudices. Because we all do. We just that often we are not aware of it because we surround ourselves with the, our little tribe who think and behave the way we do. So it looks normal from the inside. And sometimes, events like that helps us 
to to ask deeper questions about ourselves, our behavior, uh, our our inner thoughts and feelings, and make a review of what is right and wrong, and try to get it right next time. Because as Anna said, we are at the peak of our evolutionary process at the moment, but they, we are still at the base of it. You know, <laughs> the top is way up there. So you know, we've. Then we've taken a couple of steps towards it, but we still have a long way to go. But we are getting there. That's the important thing. We are get, we've been lower before, so we are getting there. So I, I think we had a year with uh, unusually uh, good movies <laughs> in, in the competition for, for the nomination. Uh, I personally like the, the ceremony of the Oscars. I try to, to watch it every year. And what I think very telling about human nature is that uh, this year I couldn't find it. I typed uh, Oscar ceremony many different ways on, on YouTube, which is the biggest platform uh, after Google. And I could not find anything but the slap, which is, well, very impressive, but uh, seriously, yeah. <laughs> how, how could it uh, overshadow everything else? It, it was nearly impossible to find anything about any movie or actor or anything else about the, the ceremony. So, um, but uh, to 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 give my reaction about Coda, I think uh, it it was a very very good movie. Um, even alternative to a certain point to some extent, uh, even though not uh, so much. Uh, very very sensitive, very delicate, and very cleverly made uh, it, it, it was a very wise choice of words and uh, scenes and, and very well constructed. Uh, I, I think uh, it was uh, a movie that really deserved to, to be celebrated as the best movie of, of the year. Yeah, that's great to know because we've not had a chance to see the film yet, and but it def <laughs> it definitely looks like the kind of thing which I know that I'm going to enjoy because it's talking about inclusion, diversity, and I think that's a really big thing right now. Well, something else that happened last weekend, which was a bit more pleasant, was over in Bahia, in Brazil, the mansion of the way, Mansão do Caminho in Salvador, celebrated 75 years of lectures by the Brazilian medium, Givaldo Franco, who has given thousands of lectures around the world promoting spiritism. Givaldo, who will be 95 years old in around one month from now, has received over 250 books through psychography or automatic writing, which were authored by spirits such as Manuel Filomena de Miranda, and Joanna Giangelis, whose psychological series is considered an important reference for those wanting to work with psychology and spirituality. So we wanted to ask everyone who's with us, everyone who's listening to us, 
What's your favorite book that was received through the Gervaldo Franco? Send us your comments. And for those of you who are with us live, we might try and read some, some of them out in a little moment. But for you guys with me now, what, what about for yourselves? Do you have any specific book that you like a lot or anything about Gervaldo that you'd like to mention? Well, I, oh, go, go ahead, Tanya. It's something about Givaldo that I don't think is, is mentioned a lot of the times because we, we often mention um, his achievements. And that is great because they are an asset to the whole of humanity. These books have been translated into many languages and it's difficult to pick a, a best one. But for the mediums out there, I want to mention that Divaldo has struggled a lot over the years. The fact, as a, the medium with his medianimic capacity, always does, because he's so open to the spiritual dimension that uh, he is like a very, very sensitive area, picking up not just the good information from the positive spirits of light, but he picks up a lot of the the negative side as well, the dark side, the painful side. And he has been uh, under attack throughout his life from the shadows who that want to stop him from doing the work that he's granted us with, not just the books, but his charity work as well. And that is, not, I don't think it's mentioned enough because I think it is important because a lot of the times mediums think that uh, Someone like Devout is protected from that and they must be doing something wrong when they feel themselves under attack. But they, this, is, this is part of the deal that is not often mentioned. Chico Xavier is a case in, in question, Ivonia Pereira as well. All the best mediums, they are the most attacked and under pressure people that exist in the world. But they are who they are because they are able to work with that. They are able to lift themselves above the pressure from time to time and produce this amazing work that they do. They're not superhuman. They are human like us. But they are people who are able to do something that a lot of us find it very difficult because when under pressure, our tendency is to withdraw from what's causing us pressure. Like, for example, when I was um, many, many years ago, over the years, we had people coming to our group in Sheffield and saying that they, they couldn't read the gospel because every time they started reading the gospel according to spiritism, they got under attack. So they stopped reading the gospel according to spiritism. And that is the opposite to what we should be doing under pressure. And this is, this is to me, what I admire Tivaldo Frank most for, not because he, he hasn't struggled throughout his life, but because of the way he handled that and, and his determination never, ever to give in to the shadows, but always work with the light. So thank to him for being the person that he is and, and giving us the amazing books that he's given to us. Right. Um, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think the most remarkable feature <laughs> of his personality is that he seems to be a force of nature. 
and not uh, a person uh, as we are with with all the limitations with the lack of energy that uh, characterizes us uh, i cannot imagine any other author that writes one or two books a year at the age of 22 23 uh, uh, 92 93 95 years old he's still writing one or two books every year and this sounds really unnatural more than any paranormal <laughs> happening that uh, uh, surrounds uh, his history that 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 uh, actually uh, also happened a lot uh, quite frequently but the the fact that he's speaking farewell flawlessly and uh, without committing any mistake with perfect logic with uh, a discourse that makes a lot of sense and teaches a lot at this age i think this is more supernatural than uh, speaking with the dead or producing uh, physical phenomena i wish i could speak flawlessly sometimes <laughs> to be perfectly honest <laughs> yes I, I i just wanted to say because uh, I've been lucky enough to to work with Devalda for thirty years, uh, thirty one years now. Um, when he used to come to the UK and things, and I I always say Devalda was my teacher. He taught me Spiritism when I started doing translations for him yeah, of the interpreting his talks. I knew nothing of Spiritism. He had to explain all kinds of uh, terminology before we started, so that I, I would yeah, be able to say the correct thing. Uh, but above all, he always taught me to always take the positive of whatever situation. He says, if you're going to say something, say something that would lift the person up. Everybody's already on the ground. You don't need to <laughs> make them feel worse. So he says, that's why he used to always tell lots of little stories, tell lots of little jokes. He says to pick the people up. Because when you pick yourself up and you smile, you can start vibrating at a higher level already because you pick yourself up so in some so many ways just in some simple ways he would make us laugh and, and uh, help us to go and i just cannot believe the power of um uh, of taking of taking things forwards i give you an example um 25 years ago so when i, I had my second baby here in the uk I had a baby in the birth center and I had a water birth, which was all very alternative. So I was telling him all my story and everything. And he says, oh, wow, this is fantastic. This sounds like, you know, the birth of the babies of the new epoch, you know, coming in this kind of um, a birth without uh, blood and tears, you know, it's a smiling kind of birth. And he says, oh, I think we will do this in the Monsanto Camino too. In Brazil, a country where uh, the doctors are very much in, in favor of obstetric uh, uh, op operative deliveries like cesarean sections and things, he said, I'm going to uh, build a, a birth center in the Manson do Caminho. <laughs> and off we went. And ten, you know, even 10 years later, once I went there, he said, here, we've got it all working. We've got all the agreements in place. We have the midwives from, from the University of Bahia come. We have a medical director because that's necessary in Brazil. We have an ambulance at the door that was donated by the spiritists from 
Canada and uh, we have, uh, you know, all this in place and people come from far and wide to, to be able to experience and um, the a birth center, a different type of birth. But it was just like when you said, oh, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. And oof, next thing you know, he's done it. And it's like bringing together all these different people to be able to run it because the building is one thing. The staff is another. The materials is another. And everything has to work together with the local uh, health um, service, the SUS. Uh, and I just like, I was so amazed, like from the idea how he could materialize this into actual buildings, events and people running it and that he doesn't need to be involved. And that thing of bringing that idea, something that's in that field of ideas and making it germinate on earth. I was that that is one of the things that I think it really always impresses me. Like you said, you want to do something, says so just do it. <laughs> like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> just Ab like that. Absolutely. And he, he's definitely a very charismatic character. And you know, we've had the pleasure of being able to work work alongside him at events and things a few times. And it's always a joy. But thank you for all those comments. And we do have a couple of other comments uh, as well. Um, yep, all the books by Spirit Joan Giangelis, especially the psychological series. Absolutely. Um, yep, Javel is known for traveling around the world to different countries, speaking about spiritism. Uh, this person's been to a couple of his presentations here in the UK. And obviously it's been wonderful that everything that is received there and yeah it's, it's always a joy it's, it's always a joy hearing him with all the stories that he wants to bring and all the knowledge and i think we do have to celebrate that well we are almost coming to the end are there any other last thoughts from yourselves about anything we've talked about today I will put something in, um, especially at times of great challenges, great transformations like we are going through and listening to the news is very depressing and worse even these days is uh, if we're not listening to the mainstream media, like main channels that provides us with news, but via Facebook, for example, which selects the news they think we want to listen to, we can be bombarded by very negative thoughts and feelings. So just remember when you're feeling really down and depressed or like there is no end to this misery, that there will be an end to this misery, that our lives are not the physical sufferings we have to endure. They're just puffs of air, of smoke in the air spiritually speaking, our lives continue. We, we have a history that comes from before us and we will continue to build this history. So don't lose hope, look into the future and there will always be light there. So especially if you're feeling really down, remember that it's important sometimes for us to remind ourselves that no matter how much we may be suffering right now, it is for a purpose. We, if we learn something from it, we can make something good out of it and there is going to be an end and the end is not going to be that far ahead you know it is it is just around the corner so things will get better yeah absolutely annie umberto any last things from yourselves i couldn't say better i, I agree that we we have to strive to finish with a positive message 
not because it's easy, not because it comes naturally to us, but because it is demanded from us to make an effort to to draw uh, the best from the bottom of our hearts to to others, and, and, and even in in times of difficulty and, and trouble, uh, we have uh, finally we have this conscience that we we should make our best to be positive, to laugh in the middle of pain, and to focus on what we can do to diminish uh, the suffering in, in this world. And uh, I'm not sure we succeeded in, in that today, but uh, I, I think this, uh, this general idea is underlining whatever we, we say today. So I'm very happy. So I wanted to end with uh, reading a text from Child of God, this little book. So I'll try it. So this book, which is uh, written by Automatic Writing by Divaldo Franco, by the spirit Joana de Angelis spirit. But, uh, and it's called Child of God. And uh, the chapter that uh, I'm going to read today is chapter 17 called God Knows. Now, I, just before I read it for our final reflection, it is quite useful to have uh, one or more of these little books with a message because when we're feeling down and sad and like, you get caught up in that negativity. To pick up a little book like this and just open it randomly and just read it slowly so that the words sort of sink in, it can really change your, your connection, your mental connection. And you can connect to a more positive vibration, to your spiritual guides and mentors who are there. I always say we are on an incarnation, we are not alone. We have our team that is supporting us in this event, which is our incarnation. And they they can remind us of things, they can help us uh, think of things that uh, will help us to, to pick us up. Because we will go through life regardless. But we can choose to go through uh, being in a more positive, uh, trying to find uh, the, the good in things, or we can go through uh, feeling miserable and sad. We will still go through. Uh, so it's just thinking what tools, like Tanya was saying before, can we use? And having a little book with some messages is a good tool, or the gospel according to spiritism, and just open it randomly, just say, good spirits, help me find a, just a paragraph that will speak to my heart at this time, that will lift me up. And uh, you will get that, and it will help you to, to change that channel, that frequency that uh, of, of sadness and depression to something uh, slightly higher. And uh, the higher you go in your vibration, the more you see the light, the more you have the understanding that there is order in the universe. Despite us being feeling, you know, that we're in the midst of chaos, there is order. It's just that we are too little to see the order. And this leads on nicely into this chapter 17, which is a message called God Knows. And it says, there are different moments in your life when engrossed in problems, you feel ignored and think nobody knows the troubles you bear. God knows. 
Sometimes you may feel desperately unhappy and totally deserted. Still, you will not be alone. God knows the reasons of your suffering. When, in deep anxiety and abused and detracted by slander, you wish to abandon your task, put your faith in God and wait. God knows why this must be so. Surprised by a cruel fate which thwarts your most cherished plans, do not give yourself up to revolt and do not despair. God knows what is best for you. Crucified by a disease of unknown cause, bow your head in prayer and wait a little bit more. God knows your disease is a path to future happiness. God knows everything. Just let yourself be guided by him. Seek attunement to his mercy and wisdom. Do the best you can and leave a trace of light along the road you travel. For such is the attitude of the one who has put himself into the hands of God and in whom, in God, shall progress. Thank you so much, Annie. That's a wonderful little reflection for us. Um, so just before we end, we do have a few more comments from those people who've been watching live with us. Um, so regarding the, the things happening in Ukraine, uh, yep. Uh, even though those people who are far away from the war, we should believe that our little help can can help things and make the planet a good place. Absolutely, no. No matter where we are, we can always do something positive. Uh, regarding the Oscars, yep. Uh, maybe the news about the last Oscar was a focusing on the case of Will Smith because we are still focused on violence rather than focusing on how to better ourselves. I can't agree more with that. And the books of Givaldo, yes, uh, I think uh, behind the scenes of obsession and uh, in general, the books of Giangelis, which are very helpful to understand our psyche. And there are many groups studying those, absolutely. So thank you everyone for all the comments and everything that you brought to us. Uh, thank you, Annie, for that reflection as well. So, well, friends, that is it for this episode of Insightfully Speaking. So please remember to let us know your thoughts and your comments and always send us your questions for what does spiritism say about. And you can always email us at insightfully at kardec.org.uk and you can follow us at the Kardec Group social media accounts. And you can always find all the details about Kardec Group, including all the past episodes of Insightfully Speaking, on the Kardec Group website, which is www.kardec.org.uk, and find out many more information about us as well. So it just leaves me to say a great big thank you. Let me bring them back on to Tanya Stevanin. Thank you to my co-hosts, Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert. Thank you for being with us and thank you to all of you who stayed with us until the very end of this episode 
My name is Adam Osborne, and I hope that you can join us again next time for another episode of Insightfully Speaking, looking at the world from a spiritist perspective.